I walk up a series of gentle switchbacks towards the road. A few cars pass, but I feel confident there's a water cache ahead. Trail angels do this for us, just out of generosity. But today, there's nothing. Not even empty bottles. It's really my own fault. I mean, you can't set yourself up to depend on a water cache. No one knows for certain how many people use it or when it will be refilled. I look out to a long, wide space of desert. One leader should see me to the river. Or I could die out here. (laughs) I press on. I actually feel okay, and I love just moving all day. What a strange thing I do walking from sunrise to sunset and watching the terrain change. I'm lost in my thoughts, not particularly thirsty, but aware that I'm pushing my limits, when a biker approaches and actually jumps off his bike to walk past me. What manners! Mark has a superb mountain bike and tells me he's practicing. For what? In a few weeks, he'll ride the Arizona Trail, 800 miles, much of it shared. I'm impressed, and that's when he tells me he's also practicing by carrying too much water. What? In this desolate spot, biker Mark, generous Mark, Saint Mark, gives me a full liter of water. Well, I guess there's no more death wish. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. All night, birds and crickets hum in the dark. A listener told me that it wasn't a whippoorwill, but a Poor Will that's singing to me all night long. It's not too dark with a waxing gibbous moon. It's so bright, I don't need a light. I pack before the sun comes up and set off on a long descent, the trail winding around itself. I soon realize the winding around is because this is a mountain bike trail. The Arizona Trail can be biked as well, except for the wilderness areas, and the trail conforms to their needs. Maybe not so much for hikers who might prefer a straight line in the right direction. Still, it's lovely as I leave the Sky Island for full-on desert. Prickly pear are everywhere in big, disorganized clumps of flat faces. I see a few yellow flowers, but spring has not sprung as of yet. Down and around I go through cactus on sandy trail. A black cow huddles in a thicket of mesquite watching me as I circle around him on this winding path. I plod along as the sun comes out and is already hot by 8 o'clock. Only the breeze cools me. My first water source is the lake, man-made, I'm sure, and like a tank spilling out of its bounds. It's surprisingly lovely in the scorching desert, and don't the birds know it. I walk down a ways on a rock-filled road and park myself under a tree to filter water. A bright red bird lands on a limb, his reflection equally as bright and sharp in the water. He swoops down to the water's surface to catch a bug, himself and his partner on the surface coming together as one. I swig a liter and pack a liter and make my first mistake of the day. 
but I don't know that yet, blithely moving forward on this fresh morning into the Sonoran Desert. I wave to another backpacker headed south but see no one else all morning, until about twelve bicyclists show up from behind, seemingly out of thin air. All of them are happy taking these twists and turns. I march on as the day heats up and the flora goes on repeat. Fewer birds here away from water, only a little action as I plod forward. Soon I take stock. One liter for how many miles until a definite water source? Oh dear, about five, and it's hot with positively no shade. Well, not exactly no shade, just very little, and I briefly duck into a wee bit of it and sit on a rock to sip some of that leader. I realize my goal is to get to Colossal Cave Mountain Park and pick up my resupply of food for the coming section that I sent from St. Paul. But Colossal Cave Mountain Park closes at four, and there's absolutely no way I'll walk that fast. I turn the airplane mode off on my phone, and I call the park. Chantal answers and tells me that if I can't arrive in time, there's nothing that can be done, and I'll simply have to pick up my package in the morning when they open at nine. That's when I throw myself at her mercy. But leaving at nine will have me hiking in the heat of the day. Isn't there somewhere to leave it? I'll even pay you. She asks me to hold while she checks things out, and I hear 70s funk in the desert. When she returns, there's a change of heart and a change in her voice. She offers to hide my package in a cupboard on the terrace. I'm so grateful to Chantel. I tear up, then almost forget to give her my name so she can find the package. It's my first trail angel of the day. I march on, slowly descending towards the highway, though each time I come closer, the trail turns to parallel it and continues in its maddening twists and turns. More bikers zoom past, mostly polite by yielding to me. I must look absurd to them marching through the desert. Finally, the trail heads straight at the road, and I see a brown locker with a beautiful Arizona trail sign made out of metal. What a surprise when I open it and see it full of gallon jugs of water. Hikers mark their own cache with their names, but most say public water, and so I fill up. As I mentioned, the public water is left here by trail angels, just as an act of kindness. The trail really is not possible without a cache, since it's another hot five miles to a river. I put my hands together like a prayer and make a small thanks to the air to these amazing trail angels. One day, I want to be one of them. I'm at a road, but also between roads. It's loud with traffic and bikers who need to crank music outside to feel alive. I can barely stand it, so I leave quickly with only two leaders. Mistake number two. Okay, sure, I cameled up, but I'm really not carrying enough water for what's to come. This is no sky island of pine and cool breezes. This is the desert for real, and I'm on my own. Except I do meet a lovely couple, Jim and Diane, who tell me someone is just ahead of me. They even offer beta on what's ahead, like long shaded tunnels under the highways. I push on and see teddy bear Choya for the first time, their shiny spikes like well-cared-for fur. A biker passes and asks if I'm a thru-hiker and says, awesome, 
Well, I feel kind of awesome, just very slow. I stop in the shade under the first tunnel. Jim mentioned to me that the tunnel is clear, and I realize it must fill up with debris when it rains. I even find a kind of seat on concrete and make lunch with cheese, jerky, and rice crackers. My water disappears, and I begin to hope that the next road crossing has a cache. On and on I plod, the mountains ahead far off, the ones I've left even further. Barrel cactus grow in contorted shapes reaching towards something only they know, their spines bright red and crossed. A biker named Todd stops me to talk, describing how difficult it is to pick the best time to hike. Either it's too cold or too windy. Listen, friend, I really can't help you there since I walk in whatever is thrown at me. I see another road and I watch Todd take long switchbacks to reach it. Surely after the killer uphills of a few days ago, I can do without this ramp. But I don't dare make a dash through and cut trail past spiny things. It's definitely not the right thing to do. I see Todd putting his bike into the rack on his car. Maybe I should walk over there and ask for some water. But I don't, trusting the cache, which is empty. But then Mark shows up and fills me up. He even gives me his number, just in case, and urges me to call so he can bank some more karma credit. I gotta tell you, Mark, I think you're full up as of now. I march on, and I need to pee within minutes. I see semis zooming in and out of hills, and I'll cross I-10 next. Fortunately, it's under the highway. But it's a very, very long and narrow tunnel, with only a tiny opening at the end. I don't like tight spaces, and the sand inside is deep. So I begin to sing and urge myself along. At the end, in that tiny bit of light, I see two bikers. It's Edwin and Delilah, they say, and they want a selfie with me, the blissful thru-hiker. I begin climbing towards the mountains. A train takes desultory turns to clear the ascent, and I see cars snaking in opposite directions. Huge, eroded cliffs loom over a grove of cottonwoods. I come to a parking lot for this trail system around the riparian zone of Sienega Creek. A sign tells me the area has been named in honor of the 19 people that were killed and maimed at the Kathy Giffords mass shooting. What a beautiful memorial, I think, as I sit down in a bit of shade. A couple of girls share it with me, drinking beer, and naturally I ask if I might buy one. They tell me the car door is locked, and I thank them just the same, then head down into the magic shade of the creek. A woman comments on how completely protected I am from the sun. Yup, hat, gloves, long pants, long sleeves. As I continue on, a man comes from behind. Hey, were you the one that wanted a beer? Carlos followed me down and made a delivery, one I enjoy under bright green leaves by fresh water. Carlos is angel number three. It's beautiful in here, incongruous in many ways with what I've walked through, but I can't really linger because it's still a long way. So I head up and out onto sand, and the first thing I see? Saguaro cactus. Huge, comical, everywhere. 
The trail takes me along this track, then under the trestle with a canopy to protect me from falling rocks. Up and up I go into the land of cactus, the most recognizable, whimsical, and cliché of all cactus. It's still not that steep, just relentless heading up to the Rincon Mountains. Mark passes me again, training by going up and down these rocky trails. I see now back to the desert I crossed, the huge distance to the mountain range beyond. What the hell was I thinking skimping on water? Well, it doesn't matter now. I've got plenty, and the sky is turning orange. It's a long, saguaro-studded trail to the ridge, followed by long, slow switchbacks down to a ranch. Water is available here, too, but I prefer to keep moving on this bike path into Colossal Cave. I don't really have time for the limestone cave tour visit, but I'm loving the scenery, even if I'm exhausted. My trail notes indicate I should turn off at the fourth intersection. It's kind of an eternity to get there, but I begin to see and hear campers, so I know I'm getting warm. Someone did mention that it's steep to the visitor center where my package is waiting for me, and I think I see it high above, a beautiful 1930s-era stone building put there by the Conservation Corps. So my plan is find a spot, then head up for my food. I come across a couple, and I ask if the place is full. Tamara immediately invites me to share her sight with Brad and Rhubarb, their dog. So I dump my stuff and start to march up to the visitor center. Tamara says, you know, it's about a mile and a half straight up. What? I'm exhausted at this point, and I can't face a climb. That's when she suggests we bike up. Now, here I am having walked all day, for several days actually, and I'm going to place myself on a bike, pedal uphill, a hard and long uphill. It's really, really awkward to start. I'm afraid I'll lose my balance. But it all comes back. It's just like riding a bike. <laughs> and we set off, like best friends, on crumbling asphalt into our own mini Sky Island. I'm surprised I have the energy to keep pedaling, though when she asks why I'm here, I promise to answer on the way down when I'm not out of breath. I definitely don't have the energy to drag the bike around the locked gate through thorns, and I let Tamara push both bikes through. The view up here is stunning, and we meet another hiker, who didn't know that they were closed, so has to wait till 9 o'clock tomorrow morning to pick up his resupply. He doesn't seem too upset, and he joins us as we search the terrace for the right cupboard where they left mine. There it is, right where they said it would be. Tamara and I fly down the hill, careful on the crumbly bits. I have a beer with them, and we talk for a long while until I'm so tired I need to crawl in. Angel number four. Oh my God, I left my tent stakes at the last campsite. I go in to ask them if they might be able to help me out, and Tamara gives me just enough tent stakes to set my tent. Do they get extra credit? Can I call them today's angel number five? You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review on Apple that helps people discover the show. 
Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron, help me get on trail to collect sound and create these stories. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. That's also where you can find other episodes, the blog, see pictures, and contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, the day begins with a huge trail angel-fueled breakfast, followed by a huge climb in Saguaro National Park. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>